This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. To the BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today I've got with me James Bradley. Hello, James. Hello. Um, James, we're here to talk about what? We're here to talk about the Liftoff International Film Festivals, which uh, has its London leg happening at, uh, in the first week of December this okay. year. Okay. Do you have specific dates there? We do, yeah. We've got Monday the 1st of December, there's Tuesday the 2nd, Wednesday the 3rd. That's our, shorts, our short film screenings. Then we've got a, a workshop on the 4th of December, and then we have our winner's screenings on the 6th of December. Now, OK, now there's something quite unique about this festival. You said it's sort of the London leg of it, as it were. Is yes. That, is it, so is it, it's an international film festival in the truest sense, in the sense that there are more than one location, never mind submissions from people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, what we did, we, we originally started off with just London, and um, we found... When was that, that James? The, say again, sorry? When was that? Um, we started, that was about five years ago. Okay. Yeah, and we, we, uh, we, we started sort of accepting submissions for the film festival, and we were getting submissions from predominantly the south of England, pretty much, and, and places around the world, you know, we were, the major kind of... The major kind of countries like the, the United States of America, Australia, parts of Europe and places like that, we were getting the odd few submissions from there and it was quite exciting to get those. Mm-hmm. What we were noticing more and more was that every time we received a submission from the north of England, and it was very few and far between that we did, but when we did, they were exceptional. So in the second year, we decided to launch a film festival in Liverpool okay. to, to basically try and get the filmmakers from the north of England to send the work into Liverpool, and it, it completely worked. The majority of the films that we got in Liverpool were northern-based films, and they were absolutely excellent. They were, they were your kind of, obviously, you, you sort of your bleak, sort of Ken Loachy, Shane Meadows kind of style, but, but also some other, some other sort of comedies as well, which, which just can only really be done by northern people, in a sense. Okay. And it was just, it was just um, humbling. I guess we, guess we just kind of did it up there, and then, for whatever reason, and I think it might be due to lack of ambition, not many, and I've spoken to a few, few other film festival directors from other festivals based in London as well, and they say the same thing. Like, it's, it's almost as if there's a, there's a fear that, that perhaps these posh southerners won't necessarily programme northern films. 
So we did that. We put Liverpool on in our second year, as well as London. So we, we thought we'd stagger it. We'd have Liverpool at the beginning of the year, London at the end of the year. Right. And we'd have whoever won Liverpool, mm-hmm. all of our awards are audience choice, so whoever won Liverpool would then get their film to be screened in London. And lo and behold, a fantastic Northern film, or three fantastic Northern films won Liverpool, and then they came over to London and screened in London. And then we started getting a little bit, I suppose, internationally greedy, yeah. <laughs> as it were. And we, um, we launched Los Angeles. We decided, right, let's find a, a little poxy venue um, on the outskirts of, of Tinseltown. Let's find somewhere that would, that would be able to show independent film, that would be able to find a decent sort of grungy artistic vibe, all this sort of stuff. Originally, we were looking at Long, uh, uh, Long Beach, and was it Long Beach? No, it was, um, oh, what was it called? Yeah, no, it was Long Beach. Yeah, it was Long Beach. Okay. We, we were looking at Long Beach, which is sort of just south of Los Angeles. And, um, and after a while, as, as, the, as the festival started coming closer and closer and closer, we decided to actually change venue completely and put it in Venice Beach, slap bang in the middle of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And we, we did that because we thought, for the filmmaker's perspective, certainly the ones that won Liverpool and won London, it's only fair that we put them in the best possible position that they can. We had a little bit more money as well. Mm-hmm. So we decided, right, let's get a better venue and let's launch LA. When we launched LA, we only had about six months for getting submissions and a very similar thing happened again. Totally bizarre, but it's, it's just absolutely, it completely emulated what happened over here in the UK. The films that we were getting for Los Angeles were all from LA, pretty much. Los Angeles, San Francisco, that kind of California sort of area. But every now and then we would get films from Nevada, films from cities like Reno and uh, Las Vegas and places like that. And these were absolutely excellent. Exactly the same sort of setup from Liverpool to to London, the same thing. These sort of, I, I say they're culturally starved. They're not culturally starved, but they're sort. They don't really necessarily have a have a decent stage to show their work on. And Vegas was just a um, a completely like. Well, we have to have a festival there because there's tons of sky. The scenery in Nevada is just absolutely beautiful, breathtaking, in fact. And there's these kids that live in Las Vegas, not to patronise them and call them kids, but there's these guys in, in Las Vegas that, that, are, that are burning to, to make films, to make art. They could be, I don't know, gamblers, kids or, you know, whatever. But there's just so, there was just so much visceral stuff coming from Las Vegas that we decided, OK, we're going to put a film festival there as well. So we did that. And then we had the four festivals, which we did for the very first time last year, Mm-hmm. all throughout the year, and, and we literally rolled them through. So the one that won, we had Liverpool at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, films that won that then got screened at Las Vegas. Then they got screened in Los Angeles, and then they got screened in London. And we just basically, all the way through, and London became this kind of seasonal finale of all the liftoff films that we had collected and all these audiences that had come to all these festivals had voted on. Right. And then, <laughs> yeah, and, and then... I mean, it sounds sounds kind of mental when you explain it like this, but uh, we we then looked at looked at adding two more cities, and that was this year where we where we've decided to add Tokyo because, again, exactly the same thing. We've received maybe four films from Japan our entire for our entire five year period, and all four we've shown. So we're like, right, 
let's get the Japanese in here. Let's get their cinema up and running because their cinema is absolutely fantastic. I say their cinema up and running, but their indie cinema. Let's get that more exposure. Let's let's build that into the liftoff story. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for Scandinavia. Exactly the same thing. Um, Amsterdam uh, was a was an obvious choice because it's a city that. Myself and my other co-founder, Ben, absolutely love to go to. It's a wonderful city. It's just rich with culture, rich with art, rich with all sorts of wonderful delights that we love to partake in. And we just thought, right, we're going to get we're going to get a cinema there, a cinema there. We're going to invite people to send their work into us, and we're going to try and get the the Dutch, the kind of Scandinavian, so Sweden, Norway, all these kind of um, Nordic noir sort of filmmakers that were Nordic, Nordic noir inspired fil- filmmakers to send us their stuff and that's only been going I mean it's only been open for, for submissions for the last two months both of them have Tokyo and Amsterdam we've already received 300 submissions for Tokyo and about 450 for Amsterdam wow uh, yeah it's insane it's absolutely insane a lot of the submissions are coming from America which is a little bit not quite what we were trying to achieve but it's fantastic because it's going to help us to pay for for the venue in Amsterdam and also as well you know we are definitely still getting the kind of Nordic stuff that we were looking for and we we just can't wait to showcase that as well so once we get into 2016 which isn't obviously next year but the year after when we can finally launch Tokyo we thought we'd give ourselves two years to prepare for that Mm -hmm. we uh will be a fully kind of fledged liftoff sort of distribution network for indie filmmakers and it's um Providing you're not interested in making money for your short films, I mean, people out of there, out of there they'd be crazy if they thought they'd be, they'd be making money from their short films. Some people do, but if they want their film to be seen by as many people as possible and by, by incredibly diverse cultures and extremely inspired young filmmakers, then they should submit to Liftoff. There you go. <laughs> Indeed, I'll, I'll, I'll vote for you, James. Um... <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I'm in the process myself of submitting short, a couple of short films to festivals. Yep. And, I mean, I'm northern, but I'm London-based. Okay, um, cool. But it, it hasn't stopped me applying for stuff around the world. I think sometimes it's just the notion of um, of likelihood. I mean, for, for me, sometimes the, the selection is often, you know, is it prestigious? Yeah. So, so you think, well, that's worth the punt. Yeah. Or you go... Um, or you, you think, well, I, I'd fancy going there. And that, that, that'd be like, that's about the limit, I think, in terms of, you know. And certainly because I do genre stuff, it's kind of like you, you find yourself selecting on those bases. So yeah, let, let, so if you're doing a rolling programme, uh, each festival, although interlinked by winners, getting audience winners of each festival gets to be shown at each festival with the kind of, like the World Cup finals being the London one where all the winners are brought together. Is that, I've understood that right. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Okay, so explain to the, to the layperson, because, I mean, even as someone who does submit, you know, it's, it seems like an absolute, you know, black hole, the idea of submitting to a festival, short films or feature films, for that matter. So when, for each, in the ideal world, when does that process begin in terms of submissions versus when the actual festival takes place? And then what is, what is it that happens? Films come in, and then how are they judged as far as... What liftoff of choosing? 
Okay, so um, we have a sort of three-tier system where the films that come through us via Without a Box or Film Freeway, we're, prefer we're preferring Film Freeway now because people can submit using HD videos and all that sort of stuff, and it's really easy to distribute it to our judges. Mm -hmm. What we do, first of all, is we assess, we assess for the initial obvious quality, first of all. Mm -hmm. We see what's what's happening, if, if the narrative is structured well, if the acting is good, if um, they've lit the scene correctly, all that sort of stuff. And once we've, once we've kind of ascertained that, we then send it on to relevant judges that we feel would, would give the film the best possible opportunity. So we've got guys that work in TV and film. Um, we've got people that work in art departments all over the film industry, all over television and stuff. That Just people that understand what narrative story structure is and what good acting is and all that sort of stuff and, and and there are a wide range of people as well you know we've got actors and actresses and people like that that are, that are, that are um, judging them and we kind of spread it across as a film comes in we go green or red if it's green it then goes straight to a judge the judge then gives it a score out of 10 and then we then get that back and then we look at all of our 10s we look at all of our 9s and our 8s as well and we then decide on how we're going to program it Okay. We will, what we will then do is we'll, we will look at we will look at each festival with an idea to say okay we need at least 32 fresh films for each festival on top of that we now need to look at adding in the previous winners from the other festivals that then that then go forward um, it's never been it's never been that much of a big problem really because in London it's always kind of I mean I guess it will it will it will it will only it will only make our our program bigger if you know what I mean. It will only ever it will only ever create a a necessity to build because we've got loads of films to show and I, I guess that's what will happen. It's we have um the win, what basically how we're structured is we have a win, if you win a festival if you win a liftoff festival then you automatically get official selections at every single preceding liftoff festival bar yours up until that point. So brilliant. You can go all the way through and then get shown at all of them. And then what we also do is we hand out, now we hand out five special mentions, which each of them get an official selection at the different special mentions. But we make sure that we're not too, like, dishearten, we don't dishearten people. So say, for example, someone submits a film from Scunthorpe and it wins a special mention at London, we're not then going to give them a special mention in Liverpool because that's not particularly romantic. We're going to give them a special mention in Vegas. Yeah. And then somebody that submits from, say, Japan, for instance, will then give them a special mention in Liverpool. And they love that because, of course, Liverpool has a fantastic reputation around the world. And it and it just it, you know it's the birthplace of the Beatles in a sense, and they just they 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 love all of that. So it's we kind of make sure that we're giving the prizes out in the most majestic way possible, in the most romantic way possible, in order to for the filmmaker, just like you said, to think to themselves, bloody, I'd love to go there. And nine times out of ten, they do come, and it's and it's um it's wonderful to see their faces when they arrive and just see what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it. You know. So your your motto is put talent before technology. Do you want to? Explain yeah. what that's all about. Yeah, so um, basically when... I, I'm, a, I'm an actor originally. I, I graduated from, from the Oxford School of Drama. My co-founder, Ben Polman, as well, who, who, who isn't here, but he, um, he graduated from the Oxford School of Drama as well. We were both in the same class and we became best mates. And um, okay. as, as an actor working in London, you get to go on many, 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 many auditions for, for um, independent filmmakers. The majority of them can't pay you. The majority of them have a have a sort of situation whereby they 
they kind of hang on two seconds. My screen's just gone off funny. Two seconds. I can hear you perfectly well. Can you hear you perfectly? Okay, perfectly. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, they 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 um, they audition you, and it was it was always the same thing. We always found that when we were dealing with indie filmmakers, they weren't necessarily really understanding or respecting the actor's process. That was the, the number one thing that we noticed at audition stage straight away. Um, then when we were lucky enough to be picked for those auditions, we would then go on the shoots and it would, it would be even worse. We'd, we'd notice that the number one priority was always which camera they were using or how the lighting rig was set up and all these things that you think that they, that, that, that they, they kind of prioritised on set and on budget. Every single time the films were, were being produced, the ones that took it way too far always ended up with a really stale film. And it, and it was just because they just pumped all their money into getting a, a lens flare in a particular moment or a soft cell in, in certain areas or a nice, a nice sort of padding on the, on the, on the, on the lighting and stuff and, and completely forgot about the storytelling, completely forgot about how to prepare with an actor, or not necessarily forgot or just didn't know. And, and it was just something that just became more and more and more frustrating for us. Because when you work with a with a seasoned director that's become very successful in the in the business, which I have done and I know Ben has, um, you realise the reason why they're so bloody good is because they can talk to actors, because they can develop narrative, because they understand beat changes, they understand transitive verbs. Um, a very very good uh, sort of analogy that we use in one of our workshops is that, um, and I had this happen to me, the director was just, would would say to an actor on set, okay, you got to come through this door. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a glass on the side. I want you to fill that glass with water, sit down on the sofa, um, down the water, text your mum. You feel like shit. It's been a really bad day, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's, kind of, that's kind of it. And he just said, you know, I just want you to look angry. I want you to look like this. I want you to look like that. That's, that's director number one. Director number two, the experienced director, the director that's worked with actors or has probably been an actor themselves, would say to you, it's been a three-hour drive. It's been raining all night. You could hardly see through the, through the window pane when you were looking through to try and figure out what was going on in, in, inside the house. I want you to open the door. I want you to come in. I want you to get yourself a glass of water. And I want you to think about your mum. And I want you to text her. Just take your time. Just take your time and we'll just, we'll just shoot it loosely. We'll just see where you go, see what you do. And then after that, we'll block it. And that's, that costs nothing. That doesn't cost 600 quid. That doesn't cost 6,000 pounds, 20,000 pounds. That's the difference between those two takes of, that, of director number one and director number two would be so much more, so, well, so much more better. There's the worst English in the world, but it would just, <laughs> it would just be, it would just be, you know, it would just, it, it just, it just sings when you, when you deal with a director that knows how to, how to, creates an emotional moment and um when we when we were when we were making when we decided to make films ourselves and we did a few of these bits and bobs and and we weren't we were good but we weren't as good as we could have been but we we then just thought look you know let's let's see if we can if we can find the uh filmmakers out there that that believe in what we believe in and, and can do what we do and, and if not let's see if we can somehow in our own kind of little way sort of educate them and that's what we've been trying to do and it's it, that's the that's the put talent before technology and the, the kind of look, look beyond the gloss. It's a, 
it's a really, really, really important thing. You, Citizen Kane could have, could be made with any camera in the world. It would still be Citizen Kane. Mm. You know, it would still be that. You don't, you don't have to use... If you've got the story, if you've got the actors, if you've got the preparation, that is literally 75% of it. I can't, and, remember, I can't remember who said it, but it's, it's, it's a salient point um, in terms of what you're saying, is that... Um, we we as a viewer will sort of will uh, will um, will not watch something that looks beautiful and sounds terrible, but we will watch something that might look horrible but sound fine. You know it, the the specific you know something looking specifically beautiful or polished isn't as important as how we engage with what's going on. Oh, completely, completely. You you look at every single filmmaker in the last sort of. 25 years that has really made it and when I say made it I mean they're a multi-millionaire and they can they can literally they literally pick scripts now these filmmakers that started I'm talking sort of Darren Aronofsky uh, Christopher Nolan and maybe even Kevin Smith the people that started in in the in the indie world all three of their films were their three of their entry-level films were all shot on black and white black and white tape with hardly any budget, and what they did is that they believed in their story, they believed in what they were trying to do, and they made it happen. You've got Pi, Following, and Clerks, and all three of those films, in my opinion, were are some, of the, some of the best films ever made. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it's the, it's, the, um, it's the want to show a good story as opposed to, like, I mean, I, I've come across, I'm a, I'm a writer, not a, yeah. not, a, not a director or a or any other kind of technical side of, of the filmmaking. So I'm not obsessed whatsoever with the kit. In fact, I'm quite happy to hand that responsibility over to the people that do yeah, care about absolutely. that sort of thing. But it isn't going to affect anything that I put down on the page. Sure. Um, that's, just, that's just part of the challenge of making it. And, and I guess, you, like you say, it's, it's sort of... When you do it in black and white, you know, the, the kind of fear factor might be, oh, well, you know, things are in colour now. But actually... As, a, as production values, it gives you lots of cheats because you're not having to make the production values as high because you can cheat black and white a lot more than you can cheat 1080 HD colour. Absolutely, you can, yeah. If you don't already subscribe to BritFlix, just sign up for free at iTunes and you'll get the next episode right after we launch it. Or follow at BritFlix on Twitter for links to the podcast to stream from the website directly. Thank you. What in your mind makes a good short film? Because because and when I ask that question, I mean a short film versus a feature film. Sure. Okay. So a short film is um it's a very different animal to a feature film, as as anyone would know that's actually watched short films. Um, they 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 have an ability to. It's it's kind of it's kind of like um the poetry against the epic, I suppose. And the short film is kind of like the poetry of of a feature. It's. You can you can really be ambiguous. You can really be um, loose with with uh, your sort of um, sort of staying to, to the safety net and stuff like that. You can go really. You can go absolutely out there. You can you can. I mean, it's it's a. I think it's kind of like a sandbox for for uh, pure creativity in, in 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 every stretch. And I think that when certainly when we're looking. When we're looking at short films, we're looking for originality because originality exists in everybody's life. You have originality in your life because you are an original person. So there's no excuse to not come up with original work. So we, we always look for originality, number one. And it's something that 
that we find on the day to day. It's absolutely there. And um, and yeah, it's certainly the, the the short film medium. I think is is exciting. It's it's absolutely dynamic, and it has it has the ability to really change your mind and give you a new insight and give you a, an idea and and leave you with a question. And I think that's that's the number one. That's the number one thing, really. It's just just its whole kind of... I don't know, just the beauty of it, you know? <laughs> what an ambiguous way to answer a question, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, the ambiguity is true. I think it's the... Because if you're writing... As someone that's writing feature films, it's sort of... You're, you're having to get the balance right between how much you have to explain yourself and how much you leave to the audience to work out based on what they can see. Yeah, exactly. Whereas exactly. a short film... You, you haven't got enough time, so therefore you're having to jump in and it's almost like there's, there has to be some immediacy to what... If, if you're trying to tell some sort of story, there has to be some shortcuts in terms of what people are seeing that exactly. enables them to get into that story as quick as, quick as you're trying to make them do it. Exactly. It's like, it's, like um, it's a classic human trait with the, with the least amount of, of tools and, and time and preparation that you have available to you. Usually the greatest things are created you know, like a pencil and a piece of paper or even an origami, you know, you can create beautiful things with limited resources. Mm. And I think the more you limit it, the, the better it is. And it's, it's um, yeah, definitely. Short film really, really, really challenges a filmmaker. And it's, it's something that runs completely parallel with a feature. But I think that on the, on the whole, the majority of filmmakers need to have at least, at least five or six shorts behind them before they tackle a feature because... Feature films are so incredibly dense and you need to understand pacing and what it means to, to keep it going. And, and that's the, the only way you'll ever know that is from, is from engaging in creating short film. Mm. So um, you've, you've mentioned about um, so paying to submit your film. So how much does it cost to, to enter um, Liftoff? Okay, so... It's uh, it costs anywhere from ten dollars all the way up to a ridiculous amount. In our last few weeks, when we're doing it, we put it. Up, I mean, people are balmy if they submit when it's that much. But we do it because our submissions platform kind of kind of has us by our hands and says you have to do it. It's it's like an airline pricing system. Oh no, no, they all they all do it. So it's, it's yeah, really, yeah. I mean, our our advice is to basically get in only submit to, fil- to film festivals six months in advance and just do it that way. Always send a cover letter. That's number one thing I would always say to film festi- uh, to mm. film filmmakers, definitely. Send a cover letter, draw a parallel where you and your work fit with the festival, why you think it's an interesting festival to, 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 send, you, to send this particular work to. And, and it's, it, that's, that's something that, that I think really, really helps. Um, all film festivals really super duper care about fundamentally from a from a business perspective not from a creative perspective but from a business perspective is how many people attend because the more people attend the better the better the word of mouth gets out there about the program and all that sort of stuff so if you can come to a film festival and say this is a film that i made about um my grandmother who's blind um i contacted the local national association for blind people um, a few other charities as well prior to submitting in, in, that, that, have, that have offices in your local city where you're putting this film festival on. Um, they're really interested in attending, blah, 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 blah. That sort of stuff really helps, really, really helps. It should always be taken into account, I think. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so... You say that it starts at $10 and then goes up, was it like $50 yes. by, by the yeah, time? Yeah, but um, in, in, uh, 
we're the only film festival that I know of that do this, but in exchange for the submission fee, we send exclusive exclusive content. So what we do, every, every single week we're writing tutorials and um, doing blog posts on our website that are free to read. So anyone can go onto our website and read them. Yeah. But, what, but what we have in, in our sort of secret side of our, of, our, of our website where people can go on with a password and, uh, and locate the, 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 the sort of um, extra content in there are, are uh, sort of blogs called um, I've, I've Submitted My Film to Festivals Now What? That's one of the blogs. The top five indie festivals from our perspective that they should be sending their work to. Um, looking to start a career in film, can, fil can festival success help? Um, independent films that get distribution and why? And I'm just reading off this list here. And then the top five reasons indie filmmakers make it in Hollywood. Okay. So we send we send this sort of stuff off, and we offer partnership marketing as well. We've got in total around forty thousand Twitter followers now between all between all five of our um, or between sorry between all six of our of our Twitter sort of handles, and mm. we enable other people to see them. And we've got other festivals that follow us and all that sort of stuff. So we we always offer feedback where appropriate and we, we try to do all that we can to basically make sure that the submission fee has value because when you release your hard-earned money you expect to get something back and the, the fir very first thing that struck me was that I had to pay to submit to Sundance and Cannes and Raindance and all these places when I was a filmmaker I was like why why is this and um I realised at the very beginning because it's very, very difficult for those these festivals to 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 actually exist without without any sort of um, monetary contribution. So I think that from us from our our side, certainly giving something back to the filmmaker that that sends stuff into us, I think that's the only way to go. And I and I cannot stress that people should be submitting at least sort of six, maybe three months max before the festival starts. Of course, people want their work to be shown as soon as possible at festivals because they want to be able to go, oh, look, my film's in a festival, blah, 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 blah. But it's a, it's a slow-burning process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Look for the festivals that are worth their submission fee, festivals that give you something back, and make sure you give yourself plenty of time prior to submitting. Mm. I mean, and, and, and as... as it's interesting you talk about that giving back because I mean, I mean, obviously, if you, if you, as a filmmaker, if you just step back and go, you, you've already thrown a figure out as there. You've had what three hundred, four hundred submissions to the Amsterdam one already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so somebody, somebody has got to watch four hundred films. Yeah. You know, so that if you accumulate that amount of time, if a couple of those films, if if let's say sixty percent of those films get watched twice, then suddenly you're talking about a lot of man hours, aren't you? Oh yeah, well, I mean the films get watched at least three or four times. Yeah, so so three or four times. So you yeah. so I mean that's where you, you begin. To, then you've got the venue and so on and so forth, which is where it gets interesting with your festival because you're giving the filmmaker a great opportunity for their stuff to get seen. Because am I right in thinking it's free to get in to see the films? Yeah, the it's month? free to attend. We we thought after the first year we we charged for entry on the first year for London and the first year in Liverpool. So in our first two years we charged for entry. Yeah, and we just we just thought that it was. Morally wrong, we could have we could have created we could have created um, a, a full time income for ourselves from doing this. We could have definitely have done that, but it's not it's not what we want to like. It's not it's not the reason why we're doing it. We're doing it because we want to do in our own part. And it's going to sound totally egotistical, but we want to change the industry. We want people to stop being snobs over equipment and forgetting about their actors on set and all that sort of stuff. We want to really kind of say, look, this is what we what we care about. 
and we will we will bring in audience because it doesn't cost a penny to come and see our films. And so you know, so it's a good, that's a good point. Now remind people the dates of when it's taking place and and actually sure. where they need to go for the London one. Go on, tell us the dates again. Okay, so the the uh, the URL to register for tickets is www.lift hyphen so that's a dash off dash festival Right. forward slash festivals forward slash london dash lift dash off dash film dash festival or you can just go to lift hyphen off hyphen festival dot com and then it says up next on the top of the thing you just click that and it'll take you straight to london james the- and, and dear listener i promise you there will be a link with the podcast Oh, nice one. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> that, that was a complete waste of... Uh, no, 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 it was good. It was good to get out there, but, you two know. Two seconds of my life there. No, okay. Yeah, um, yeah so when, when you go onto the screen, if you, just, if you just scroll down, you can register. We've got um, screenings at the exhibit in Ballam, which is a really cute sort of cinema venue that we have. It's about a 35-seater. We've, we've got that on the Monday night, the Tuesday night, and the Wednesday night, running okay. from 6.30 till 8.30. It says, says 7 p.m., on the website, but I would recommend you get there for 6.30 because there's nothing worse than people walking in halfway through a film being shown. It's disrespectful to the filmmakers. Nope. Um, then on the Thursday, on, the, on, on the, the 4th of December, we have a workshop which is going to be run by myself and my co-founder. It's called Successful Crowdfunding and Festival Submissions. Mm. So we'll be looking at how to fund your film using crowdfunding and how to basically have successful film festival submissions. And that's at the, Lon- at the North London Tavern in Kilburn, and that runs from 7.30 until 9.30. And the final event, which will be on Saturday the 6th of December, we need the Friday off so we can count the, the, count the winners, uh, winners' <laughs> votes and all that sort of stuff. We've got the winner screenings, the awards, and the networking night at the Soho Hotel. Uh, we've got the bar there. I don't know if anybody, if you've been to the Soho Hotel, but the screening room, the, the large screening room there is absolutely awesome. It is indeed, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's lovely, lovely 100-seater. We've got that um, from 7pm until 11pm. We're not going to be showing films all night. We'll have, we'll have script readings. We've got, a script, uh, we've got a script winner, and we'll be, we'll be doing um, live script readings with actors at the beginning of, of the night, followed by the screenings of the previous winners, and then the screenings of the actual London Liftoff Film Festival winners from this year. So when the filmmakers turn up, they won't even know whether or not they've won, and it won't be until they actually start watching when they'll see, we'll have a little card come up saying, well done, you're the person that won the special mention, you're going to get a, an official selection at Tokyo Liftoff, and then it'll just be like, here's your film. So it'll be a really cool way for them to sort of realise that they've uh, won a pretty sick award. Brilliant. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a really, you know, it sounds like a really all-encompassing short film festival. You know, you've got the exhibiting, you've got the, you've got the, 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 the seminar element, which obviously naturally brings, brings the kind of whole networking element together, which means that not only are they meeting you, but they're meeting other filmmakers, aren't they, the people that attend. And, and obviously, you know, you're not, you're not saying only filmmakers, you're saying film fans, come down and see this brilliant work that you won't see anywhere else. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Is that if, if people are into film, they should, they should totally check this out. This is just... Uh, you, won't, you won't see films like this at any, other, at any other festival because we're constantly being told by our filmmakers that they're having no luck whatsoever getting their film into other film festivals. And it's a travesty because this work, as you'll see, the work will speak for itself, it is awesome. But I must admit, you know, if you've got 400 submissions in 32 places, there has to be somebody who doesn't get in, doesn't there, in the, in, in the end? 
Yeah, there does. Yeah, absolutely. But we, like I say, we try to support those people as much as we possibly can. We let them all know that they've not been that they've not been um, selected, and if if and where we can, we roll them over to the next festival. If we feel that we, you know, it's always a difficult decision. But if we feel that we we uh, we missed out on somewhere, or we missed an idea, or we thought that for whatever reason the film wouldn't necessarily work in that location, there have been times, <clears throat> especially with the scripts. And some of the short films, there have been times where we thought, well, that's not really going to be good for an American audience. We need to have this shown in England. So we have rolled them over. I mean, I mean, so certainly this is a tip from tip for myself. From I, I, I got a script officially selected for New Orleans Horror Film Festival, and I went out there. Yeah. And when I was there, I was talking to the guy who programs it, and and this really surprised me because you know it's kind of telling film direct film festival directors to go and shove it where the sun don't shine when you get a rejection seems a really sort of peculiar thing to do. But he had he had lots of horror stories of... Because of, he, he took the trouble of not just sending out standard, you know, replies. He replied to everybody that submitted and said, you know, really sorry, blah, blah, blah. Right. And the, there was one person who's, who's, who he'd said, you know, look, this, you were very close, but unfortunately we, had a, we were full up. And the person wrote back and was like, wow, what do you mean this? You know, you're this, you don't know, you all this power in your hand and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. they ended up having a film get pulled. So they had a space for a film. But obviously they weren't going to ask that person then because they'd been awful. So they had other, they had other filmmakers who they'd also told, look, we really like your film, but, you know, it was close, but, you know, couldn't put you in this time. But when the film pulled out on them that let up a space, so they went back to that kind of reserve list and went, hello, can we show your film now? We've had a, we've had a space come up. And, and I think that's a valuable lesson for people as well, is that getting rejected does, can, you know, doesn't, isn't the end of the world and don't treat it that way. And also, film festival directors go to events with other film festival directors, so it's very easy to get a bad reputation. Oh, yes, absolutely, 110%. There's, you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> the... Um... We've we've had some right horror stories, as you can probably imagine. There's mm. there's there's you get you get all sorts of threats and different things like that. And and I mean the bottom line is, having been an actor for for sort of well, I was an actor for four years before I started Liftoff. And um, rejection is the name of the game. Like you've got to build a, a thick skin if you want to be able to 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 make it in this business. If you want this to be your bread and butter, if you want this to put food on your table, you have to get used to people saying thanks but no thanks. And that's 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 just the way that it is. And and, and if you if you can work around that, if you can find a, a solvable solution, like people that send us films that say, I've got 25 people that are going to come to this film festival. I know that it's good because I, I know that the film is good because I've read all the stuff that you've been writing about on your blogs. I've I've followed this guy that's been saying that's been saying X Y Z about making films. I've 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 tried to do everything that I can right with this, and here's my film. It it's it's so much so much more difficult to reject that film than it is to reject a film that's just. I'm what's my face and I'm this amazing director and look at my 3D animated logo at the beginning of my film and <laughs> look at how I've done all these things and I'm just this awesome person and look how awesome I am. I'm super duper awesome. Everything's awesome apart from everybody else, just me. They, 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 they exist. These egos exist and, and um, sometimes it's quite nice to kind of reject them. <laughs> I hate to say it, but 
you know, these people need a wake-up call because this is a really tough business. And only, only, the, the, only those that understand the sort of process of learning and, and, and understand what it means to kind of get back up, dust yourself off and say, all right, do you know what? I got rejected. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to book myself a seat at this festival. I'm going to turn up. I'm going to meet the programmers. I'm going to talk to them about my film. I'm going to see if they remember it, first of all, but I'll talk to them about it. And I'll watch the program and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll subjectively compare my work to the work that's being screened here. If I feel hard done by, then I'll have an argument and, and I, will, I, will at least, I will at least be able to sort of explain why I said stuff and all that sort of stuff. But if not, then, you know, I'll learn something. And I think that's the best way to go about it, really. Mm. Kind of I mean, I must admit, I've heard I've heard similar things about a lot of a lot of aspects of filmmaking. Is that you know every time you get a no, that you should treat that as an opportunity to learn why. Yeah, yeah, you definitely. Know, I mean, me as a writer, if someone says no to a script, it's not it's not the end of me. It's something wrong with the script, and obviously, I can fix scripts. I can't fix me, but I can yeah. fix a script. Exactly. And yeah, so yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally understand. And, and like, I think the other thing you're saying there, though, is 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 is, is make make it make making relationships part of what you do. I think that's I think that's an important aspect to all. Never mind short film festivals, but just generally as a filmmaker, if you think you're going to be this lone renegade, then you you're deluding yourself. I think. Oh, completely. I mean, people give people work. It's as simple as that. People give people opportunities. It's it's all about. On your way up the ladder, you've got to be nice to everyone because if you fall, you don't want to fall down too many runs. You want the last person that you were nice to to catch you. And then <laughs> you haven't fallen too far then. And it's totally, it makes perfect sense, it, especially in this business. It's not about kissing people's asses or anything like that. Not at all. It's not yeah. about that at all. It's just about being genuine and listening. Now, um, can, when people do go to the website, like I said, I'll put the link up. Um, they can is the, is the program published now for all the films that are going to be no, shown? No, the program will be published this Saturday. Oh, brilliant! Okay, well, the, in in relation to when this will be recorded, then we're we're on a Tuesday and it'll be going out on the Thursday. So, if you listen to this live, I'm trying to get my dates now. It's Thursday the twenty second. So Thursday the twentieth, this will go out. So you're saying the twenty second? Yeah, two days two days from now. There you go. Two days from now. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, but if they're listening to it in the future, they'd miss the 20 seconds. Yeah, I wish it was two days from now. I had a rubbish day at work. I'd love, to, I'd love for the weekend to be nearly here. <laughs> well, look, one thing we like to do, and I've, I'll be springing this on you now, so usually I tell people in advance, but I forgot to, so apologies. Um, as we're Britflix, and we like to get recommendation of British films that uh, the podcast guests either feel are underrated and could do with a bit more kudos or okay. have been forgotten and could be a suitable reminder for people to go and revisit them. Is there anything in your sort of film fandom that springs to mind? Oh, okay, okay. Let me have a, good, let me have a little think about this. Okay, British films. It's got to be Shallow Grave. Okay. I mean, it's just... Shallow Grave is just one of those films that you just go, oh, wow. Like, I loved, I loved it. I loved it. If you haven't seen Shallow Grave, you've got to see it. I'm sure most of your listeners probably have seen it, and that was a really uninspired guess. But, um, 
Yeah, Shallow Grave, hands down. Love no, no, that's a good recommendation. No, it's one. Of these, it's, there's, you know, there's so much. There's so much out there now. It's it is easy. It is easier than it ever was to forget some stuff. So oh, that's yeah, why completely, what... completely. I watched. I watched. Um, funnily enough, I watched Train Spotting a few a few weeks back, and that is a brilliant film. Like, I, it's really great to revisit films that you loved as a teenager that you haven't seen since you were a teenager. Yeah, and you just get this whole awesome like oh, i remember how cool i felt when that bit happened or i remember you know when he when when renton's walking across the dance floor and the girl's there and the blonde blondie comes on and it's just like <laughs> yes it's great yeah well brilliant no thanks for that so one um, last thing then just one last reminder then what are the dates for liftoff in london okay so liftoff is happening from monday the 1st of december mm-hmm. rolling on through to saturday the 6th of december okay and there will be links and other details attached to the podcast to help people navigate to the places and the times. Smash so it. it just, just for me to say, thank you, James, for uh, taking your time out to explain to us all about liftoff. Cheers, Stuart. Nice one. Indeed. It's the podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.